Hello everyone, we're switching over to more of a cold open format, getting rid of the lead-in. I am Jeff Ellis, if you've never listened to Locked On Indians before, your host for every single episode of this show ever, and I want to thank you for making Locked On Indians your first listen today and every day, free and available on all podcasting platforms, apps, wherever you want to podcast, you will find Locked On Indians. Today's show, we actually have a lot to talk about. I know it feels like it's been a while since we got Indians news. We have a hitting coach uh, for you out there who are like, oh, I can't wait to hear how Jeff butchers this name. Chris Valeku. I believe I said it right. I went and I listened to a pronunciation guide uh, just to have a better chance of getting this correct. We're going to talk about Chris Valeku. Uh, we are going to talk about the tra- you know some of the decisions that have already been made, some of the transactions, 40-man roster moves, and the like. Uh, so let's start with the hitting coach. Chris Valeku. Uh, now, I have some conflicting information where... His LinkedIn does not mention coaching at University of Santa Barbara, but University of Santa Barbara talks about hiring him to be a coach. Uh, If, according to the University of Santa Barbara report, he was a coach there, uh, he would have been coaching when Bieber and Kyler, Kyler, no, Shane Bieber and Kyle Nelson were pitching there. So they have some familiarity. He's a former gaucho himself. Uh, Back when he was drafted, he was the third highest draft pick in the whole uh, history of that program. A uh, program that had, and he was a third rounder, I want to say, a program that had a first rounder this very year, and Michael McGreevy, so he is no longer the third highest pick. Uh, after that, he bounced around some organizations as a hitting coach, you know, specifically of late with the Cubs. And this stands out for a multitude of reasons that we are going to get into here in segment one of the show. But the first being, uh, you know, he his ascension is very similar to Ruben Niebles. For all of our complaints and sadness about losing Ruben, uh, you know, Valeku was a, a minor league coordinator, minor league hitting coach to minor league coordinator to, you know, associate uh, hitting coach. He worked his way up the ladder. Young p- a person, which we know is something the Indians wanted to focus on. They wanted to get someone who had some new thoughts and ideas, someone who could help, you know, pitching coaches we know the importance of. We know the importance of pitching coaches. Hitting coaches, it feels like just a added position uh the teams could even get away with not having one at all uh i I don't know how much they bring when i talked with people who are connected to the game played in the game scouted the game yeah it varies uh what they think exactly a hitting coach is supposed to do they got a young mind who uses advanced thoughts who digs into things and uh kevin dean uh kevin b k v n b s b l tagged me in a tweet because he talked about how i had mentioned you know Ian Happ makes a lot of sense after the Indians went out and um, when Hawkins, basically when Hawkins went to the Cubs, I said, you know, Happ, for those 40-man guys on the fringe, it makes too much sense to not happen. And then additionally, he in, he had that tweet, then he had a tweet from uh, Tommy Birch. When Ian Happ was sent back to the minors, he asked for the help of Chris Vileku, how the former Cub is helping Happ get back to the majors and what he thinks he has to fix. Uh, so he worked with Hap for his turnaround, help big part of Chris Hap's uh, significant improvements in the second half, a big part of just his improvements overall. He really helped Chris, or Chris, Ian Hap in particular. So that's a good thing. One, that he's able to relate to a young player and help him. Two, young player who should really be on the Indians' radar. And, you know, and I think something that cannot be overlooked is his work this past year with the Cubs. And yes, at the start of the year, it's a veteran-heavy team. Very veteran-heavy team the Cubs were. But it certainly did not say that way as they traded away 
large chunks of their roster. They were not content to just sit back and get a Rule 5 pick, Rule 5 pick, get a additional draft picks in next year's draft, get compensation picks is what I was looking for. Uh, well, if we get a chance, we'll talk about a crazy third segment with uh, qualifying offers. But this is a Cubs team that just wanted to get better in a hurry. Made some interesting trades. You know, I loved adding Pete Crow Armstrong in particular stood out amongst some of the prospects they got. But that led them with a team of who's? Where did he come from? You know, Castos. I, I was talking about Patrick Wisdom. Uh, I've talked about him a few times on the show. And, you know, we'll go pull up his baseball savant data. But Patrick Wisdom, you know, when we were talking about the 2020 draft in review... You know, he was part of that class, and he had bounced around from organization to organization as a former uh, compensation pick, 52nd overall pick in that class, St. Louis to Texas to the Cubs, and he had had some you know, cups of coffee in the majors. This past year, and this is someone who's been with the Cubs, uh, played a little bit in the majors in 2020, spent some time in the minor leagues in 2021, 20, uh, spent most of his 2021 in the, uh, the majors, and he... I mean, it was one of the bigger breakout stories of this year. Again, I want to go pull up a savant so I can tell you exactly the ridiculousness of it. But he's another guy, like five years of team control. Uh, the savant data on him is very positive as a defender. Now, the Indians have a third baseman, but with the arm, and he actually had you know really good uh, sprint speed as well. I'm like, Patrick Wisdom could play left field. Uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Sprint speed, 76th percentile overall. Outs above average, 30, 80th percentile. Average exit velocity, 83rd. Max, 92nd. Hard hit percentage, 92nd. Barrel percentage, 93rd. Expected slugging, 72nd. Expected batting average, 6. Like, that is dark blue. He is not, uh, you know, he's, this might be Nolan Jones' most likely outcome. Just throwing that out there. You may not want to hear that. Now, he doesn't walk as much. You're hoping Jones walks a little bit more. Uh, and they don't have his K percentage. Uh, I don't know if his is high enough because I think Jones will strike out at uh, 40%. So, yes, no. Uh, Nolan Jones, you know, at the high end of outcomes might be something similar to this. Uh, and maybe that's not what you want to hear, but it's, you know, it's something to pay attention to. But, uh, yeah, when you look at the speed, you look at the other things, I'm like, he could handle left. He could be another player. He's a, a right-handed bat, which means he gets most of the time in a, a platoon. Just another player to consider. But, again... You, no one was talking about Patrick Wisdom at this time a year ago, and now he's you know, someone you can't ignore. How about Frank Schwindel? It's okay if you don't know him. I didn't know him before this year. Former draft pick of the Kansas City Royals in the 18th round uh, in 2013. Kansas City to Detroit to Chicago to the Cubs, you know, then to Oakland, then back to Chicago. Uh you know, he bounced around. He had some seasons in the minors just looking at the runs created plus. They were pretty solid. And then this year, in the big leagues, 29 games, 254 plate appearances, 152 runs created plus. He hit 326, uh, 371 on base, 591 slugging. Bat pip totally unsustainable at a 348. But still, here's a guy who has no business, you know, even being anywhere near a runs created that high. Someone who struggled to get opportunities to play in the big leagues. Someone who has struggled in the big leagues. Uh, St. John's, you know, not not a program known for its production. Now, because it's so limited, we don't have like that savant data that really gives us some great information. Uh, but you go through, and you know, there's some things. The sweet spot's pretty decent. His percentage is there. Expected slugging. 
Uh, expected batting average is much lower, you know, 260 for him. But still, uh, it doesn't strike out too much. It, it's He played well. I mean, he massively overperformed. Patrick Wisdom overperformed. Ian Happ got it on track and looked quite good. Wilson Contreras played well. Uh, Rafael Ortega is another one of those guys who was a scrap heap type that they got turned around. And in... 103 games, he had a war of 1.6 and a runs created plus of 120 at age 30 in his first year of service time. Colorado to St. Louis to the Angels to the Padres to the Marlins to the Braves to the Cubs. Whew. Had played in 777 games in the big leagues to this point and had always been a below average bat at pretty much every stop. Now, according to the uh, the baseball savant, not a good defender in center, not his ideal spot, but uh, the performance was there. I mean, I'm just kind of looking at a savant ad, it'd be like, what changed? He had a lower hard hit this year than uh, some of his previous years. Uh, launch angle is in line, but nothing too big. His barrel percent, he might just be luck. Like, oh no, that's his career. I'm sorry. That explains it. Yeah, he, he was walking more. His launch, yeah, that's it. There we go. Yeah, his launch angle. So he was a guy at a 12.8 to 3.9 to an 18.3 this past year. Uh, that's a massive change to his launch angle. That led to you know slightly higher walk percentage than the year before. Still not anything huge, but yeah, launch angle revolution. That's he he massively changed it, and that led to uh, you know more barrels in general. I mean, he's still probably a little bit lucky this past year, but uh, clearly they are doing the right thing in Chicago that Chris Valeku was a part of. Where these are guys who have frankly almost no business being in the majors or even getting opportunities. 18th round pick out of St. John's on his fourth organization, a 30 year old center fielder on his sixth or seventh team, uh, a former first rounder who uh, had some cups of coffee and is moving on to organization three. They all were highly productive bats. They were all more productive than uh, the Indians got out of an outfielder, got out of a first baseman, and, well, not what they got out of third base, but still, uh, out of most positions. And Baleku was part of that. He helped this team. He had a big part. I think this is a great signing. This gets the steal of a steal. Nope. Well, it is a steal that we're getting him from the Cubs. We are stealing him from the Cubs. Gets my seal of approval. So if you are unsure about this, know that I feel like it's a good one. Did I know about him going into this? No. I don't pay attention to assistant hitting coaches. I got enough things to worry about. I'm sorry. Uh, if that disappoints my listeners out there, I'm just going to say I'm sorry. I don't know the assistant hitting coaches. But once they hired him, once word got out, I, I dug. And when I dug, I dug him. And I think it is a great hire. I think it is a hire that can absolutely pay off. And it's just more of that back and forth between the Cubs and the Indians. This sets up even more. Like, they can go right to him and be like, who, who do you like? Like, do you think any of these guys are sustainable? Who do you think we should... Like, this just helps make a trade with the Cubs and Indians even easier. And, like, let's just get Ian Happ done. Like, this trade needs to happen now. Happ sought this guy out. This is, like, Happ's personal hitting coach. The Indians need an outfielder. Let's bring uh, him back. You know, former Cincinnati Bearcat. Bring him back to Ohio. Eighth overall... Ninth overall pick. Uh, I'm not sure where he's born. I should probably go look that up. I'm not sure if he's in Ohio. You know, with Cincinnati... It, it doesn't mean someone was born in Ohio. Like, let's let's be honest. No, he was born in Pittsburgh. He was a Pittsburgh PA and Mount Lebanon PA high school. So, yeah, he's a Pennsylvania kid who uh, went to the University of Cincinnati and became a top 10 overall selection. So let's free Ian Happ, bring him to the Indians. That trade needs to happen now. We're going to take our first break here, a little late in the show. 
come back talk about the we got some rule five news kind of in a way there's one thing i've told you many times it's you got to get your tv together come on people get your tv together with direct tv stream does this sound familiar you've got one device to let you catch the game live now they let you stream your favorite shows you're watching sports highlights on your phone and you got your neighbor's best friend log in for the good stuff I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you want your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. So we got roster news. Big, big, big surprise. The Indians picked up Jose Ramirez's option. Uh, I, I hope you know that I'm kidding with that, right? Everyone understands it's my sad attempt at a joke. Yeah, of course, they executed the option on Jose Ramirez. <laughs> That's easy. That was a guarantee. Uh, something I've been saying would happen for a while happened, though, which was they decided to not pay Roberto Perez. Uh, they decided to let him go. It is one thing when you are making $5 million. You know, the backup was making three. They're making a combined $8 million at the catcher position. Perez was in line to make, what, $7 million next year? Was it $8 million? And he was going to make almost as much alone as he made, uh, as both of them made. They went with the cheaper guy who was healthy. Roberto Perez can't stay healthy. For a guy who brags about his immunity uh, and his uh, immune system, dude can't, can't stay healthy ever. Uh, it's been uh, kind of comical to watch. Like, I mean, he just, he can't. He is very much a guy who's been catching, is a brutal position. Uh, we saw Buster Posey retire recently, and you look at the numbers and you always have to realize you have to run catcher numbers through a separate filter because it's just, you get so beat up. And we'll give Prez the benefit of the doubt with that. But it's it's an easy choice. It's easy to move on from Roto Prez at $7 million, pay him 450000 it's not to say he won't be back. He could be back. I could also see him going to the Orioles. i got to be perfectly honest. He makes a ton of sense to... The Orioles currently don't have a catcher on their roster. They let go of all of their catchers. Uh, so, the, you know, for them, you look at the history of the Houston Astros, and I bring that up because the guys in Baltimore came from Houston. They were the heavy end of the analytics. Uh, you know, the Indians love analytics. Defense-first catchers are valuable. Perez is still a strong defender, even with all of his other issues. If you're a team and you can get him for one, two million as your backup catcher, and he's probably in the market for that. Like, I don't see him getting five million again. Uh, but if the Indians want to bring him back, they're going to probably have to pony up a little bit. Uh, I could also see him just deciding he doesn't want to come back. Uh, you know, there's always a little bit of acrimony when your option doesn't get picked up. That's just the truth of the matter. So Perez is gone. Uh, that essentially, you can look at a very basic level. We already know that uh, Wilson Ramos, he's on the 60-day disabled list, so that doesn't change anything. Free agent, um, as as our Sharp, Sharp, oof, Shaw and Parker combine them together, you get Sharp. Uh, so that, with those two guys and Perez, that gives us three open roster spots. We're not done, though. Uh, the Indians also chose to uh, waive Nick Wickren, who I talked about again on the show uh, multiple times. He's always been a guy where the stats the advanced stats did not back up performance he was going to be in line to make over three million and here's the thing i talked about on twitter as all this was getting announced 
by getting rid of Wickren and Perez, that's about 10, projected 10 million off the books for next year. 10 million they probably would have had to pay with those two players combined. Uh, moving on from them is absolutely the right move, but I knew we'd see some terrible, like, cheap takes. And again, I'm not opposed to someone who has an issue with the ownership. I've had many issues on the show with the ownership. I'm opposed to bad takes on it, like the Eddie Rosario situation, or in this case, like, it's dumb to pay Roberto Perez $7 million. It is dumb to pay Nick Whitgren $3 million. These are the right calls. These were smart calls. These were smart baseball decisions. Uh, I don't, money, money filters in, but just because, I mean, who out there can defend paying Roberto Perez $7 million? I, I want to hear that defense. So they move on from Whitgren. The other nice thing about doing this early for guys like the other player they released outrighted, uh, Cam Hill, and then Francisco Perez. Perez got claimed on waivers. Hill and Whitgren passed through waivers. So for them, uh, it allows them to start their free agency early. Like they, they're now out there. They can maybe have, if teams are con- uh, you know, reaching out to them, trying to get them in their organization, that can happen. You know, we'll see if um, you know, both, they, both of them were outrighted to AAA Columbus, and then they were both able to elect free agency after that, which is totally fine and understandable. But with Hill and Whitgren, I think Francisco Perez is a bit of a shock to some. Like, if you're a deep prospect guy, he really jumped on the scene this year. And there was a time where, uh, after Nick Miklojak, he was considered maybe like the number two relief prospect in the system. He was missing a ton of bats. Uh, the control was still always an issue, though. Like, the arm is really good, but uh, I don't, it just... The Indians have had, we've talked about this in depth, they do really well with guys who have good control and helping them find extra gears. They don't do as well with guys who have extra gears but helping them refine it. They're not good at refinement. They're good at um, leveling up. So Francisco Perez is that guy where it's like he needs refinement. He doesn't need leveling, and that's, you know, Nationals, it makes perfect sense for him to get claimed. I'm surprised almost in a lot of respects he got to the Nationals. But that opens up three more roster spots. So technically that's six roster spots that are opened up with the free agents, with Roberto Perez, with these three players that were released. But you have to remember, they still have to add in Sandlin and uh, Naylor, so that takes you up to four roster spots. Right now, that means they've opened up four. So it's really easy to go down and just be like, okay, Freeman, uh, Valera, Rocchio, you know, those are the first three, and I know I'm, I always, when I'm going through like the big names, I'm blanking. Uh, you know, the, the ones I typically put together would be Morris and La Bastida and Palacios. So I think when you're just looking at this in a very basic way, it's like Freeman, Valera, Rocchio, those are kind of the higher tier guys. And you've got like the next tier, though to me, La Bastida and Morris are next, both in the next tier. I think Morris is the, probably the higher rated. So Freeman, Valera, Rocchio, Morris. You can consider those four spots filled. La Bastida, Palacios, and then I think Quan is your next guy. And people are really getting nervous about uh, jo- Jonski Noel. I, calm down. You know, it's like been over a decade since anyone has drafted a guy like him in lower minors. And as much as everyone wants to be like, you know, well, there's not guys like him available. There are. Like, everyone's got guys somewhat similar. He had a huge year. I get that. But there's also reasons why he's not, like, a top 10 prospect most places. There's a reason why outside of, like, deep Indians fans – He's not as highly rated. Uh, we get excited about lower numbers, my, uh, production in the lower minors. You know, go look at what Bobby Bradley did in the lower minors. It's I, I can I don't know how often I can sit back and caution about this, 
But yes, it caused me to be lower on Rokio, and I ended up being wrong. But for every Rokio, there's a dozen, you know, Scott Morgans, uh, Abraham, um, no, Abraham Almonte was an outfielder. Abraham Abner was that, oh, or maybe was, I can't remember. Forgetting these guys, Francisco Perez's, Kelvin De La Cruz's. Uh, more often than not, it turns into nothing. Sometimes it works out, but more often than not, uh, it doesn't. And you don't sweat a first base, third base hitter, no matter how well they play uh, in the lower minors. No one's drafting that guy. You know, uh, off this list, it's like you don't protect Palacios, he's gone. You don't protect Lavastida, he's gone. You don't protect Quan, he's likely gone. Cantillo, I think he's gone if you don't protect him. These are guys that you have to kind of jump up and consider. Uh, after that, I think it's, you know, you, then you got your Pilkingtons, your Scots, your Noel, Tenyas, but I, those big six to me are the ones. Because there's four spots, and this team still has, you know, you do have to keep some, some, chaff on your your roster because you're gonna sign some free agents hopefully you're going to make some other maneuvers and you want some guys that you can release and now you might say why not just have openings because it's better to have a guy there maybe things don't come together but at the same time you know having said that uh you're not going to carry harold ramirez you're not like harold ramirez should be gone already like i'm kind of shocked he's still there just because he's going to cost over a million dollars and he's not a starter like it's very uh, you know proven there at least with bobby bradley like bobby bradley nope with bradley zimmer wrong bradley so i constantly have other people who want to trade for him when i'm talking to uh people from other organizations uh in terms of like media just because he plays a good defensive center field like there might be some value there i also think honestly they're waiting for Valeku to come into the building they're waiting for him to come in they'll sit down and talk with him and i think he is going to have a hand in helping decide this outfield jam. Like if he sees like, oh, I think I can work with Daniel Johnson. I think there's more there. Johnson stays. If he comes in and says, oh, I know how to work with Harold Ramirez, he stays. I think it's going to be two of those four outfielders are going to be gone because they're out of options. It's silly to carry Ramirez, uh, Zimmer, and Mercado when they all have to be on your roster, as does, you know, Mejia. We'll see if he gets that extra option here. That makes it a big thing. Henches. Uh, some of those guys, they don't have those extra options. And while well, the pitching side, he won't affect. I think with the hitters, they're waiting for him to get in building. They're waiting for him to kind of consult. And they're waiting for him to see on some of these roster moves when it comes to hitting. When it comes to pitching, I mean, maybe that's all it's going to be. Maybe we've seen the big release list. It's a little bit surprising that, like, Alex Young still survived with the year he had. It's a little bit surprising uh, that Mejia Henches survived. But, you know, they could also just be depth. But it feels like they let the arms go that they plan on letting go. The bats they've not done yet. They just got Valeku in. You know, the, the press release too, it should be noted that specifically this press release, this gives great information because Valeku served as the assistant major league hitting coach at the Cubs where he helped guide Cubs rookie hitters Patrick Wisdom and Frank Schwindel. And I talked about those guys at the first half of the show because of uh, the unlikely breakout-ness of it. But I also think, you know, this shows... An idea of this may not necessarily be those names are included because those are names Indians like or anything like that. This just might be like, okay, he found and helped find a lot of success with two guys that are non traditional, two guys who are willing to learn, and uh, two guys that Valeku in particular was able to reach out and work with. So we will see. We'll see if it means anything. We'll all see what happens through the rest of this offseason. This is just a start, but we are definitely getting to the point. Uh, not this Friday, but next Friday is when the 
40 man has to be set. So let's keep that in mind after that point in time. They can't add anyone else in terms of rule five protection. So that's just something to keep in mind. We will take our last commercial break, come back, do a little bit of qualifying offer talk before the end of the show. And that sponsor is my favorite. I know you love Thanksgiving, all that good food and treats and plenty of them, but maybe you want a yummy dessert, but one that isn't so full of calories and sugar, it's a perfect time for Bilt Bars. Bilt Bar is the new holiday dessert. If you send something delicious and feel good about it, one slice of pie is upwards of 3,000 calories, 300 calories, and that's on the low end. Most Bilt Bars are 130 calories and only four grams of sugar, with plenty of protein. Place the coconut cream by with the coconut Bilt Bar. Go for a raspberry bar instead of that raspberry pie. If you act quickly, you can still get a pumpkin instead of a pumpkin pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Built is a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving isn't coming soon enough, go for a built bar or two. Share some with your family gatherings. It might make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a built bar yet. New surprises all month. Limited time flavors. They have a mystery flavor going right now. We're having a built bar regularly, so check the site often. There's nothing like... Built Bar Black Friday, mark your calendar. Black Friday will be a huge event with all sorts of surprises. I'll be going there. I will be shopping. And when I do, go to BuiltBar.com. I use that promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. That is the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. That is what I use. You should use that promo as well. Helps us out and it helps your wallet. Talk some qualifying offers. Now this matters because the Indians have a uh, high compensation pick this year. They're picking, instead of picking after the the second round they're picking in front of the first round which again those things matter in terms of uh, some of these picks could end up making that pick later so when we get right down to it it's interesting to look at these rule five picks for a couple of reasons there were two kind of fringy guys and anthony descalfini and john gray who didn't get the qualifying offer um as uh, you know, Clayton Kershaw was a little bit of a surprise for me as well. Uh, but I think the big one is Carlos Rondon. I mean, I don't, I don't understand that at all. Like, I, I don't think he's taking it. I don't see any way he accepts it. Uh, he after the year he had, I, I know it's a one-year thing, but he has always been well thought of, and he was finally healthy, and he looked really good this year. Uh, he's going to get a big, he's going to get a multi-year offer. I can't see him accepting the qualifying offer. The White Sox not giving him the qualifying offer just cost him draft picks. That was very, very, very surprising for me. Uh, in terms of the most surprising player to be offered the qualifying offer, I think that has to be Rossiel Iglesias to the Angels. Uh, he is going to be signing once the season begins. <laughs> this is a situation uh, where, or he's going to get a lesser deal. Because remember, the way it works now, it's like if he doesn't get $50 million, and he won't now. I mean, he wasn't probably going to get $50 million to begin with. They'll get like a fourth-round pick. Like, that's that's where the comp is. Uh, and because they sign him for a lower amount, I believe it also costs a team less. But if you missed it, you have Brandon Belt, Nick Castellanos, Michael Conforto, Carlos Correa, Freddie Freeman, Rafael Iglesias, as previously mentioned, Ravi Ray, Eduardo Rodriguez, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, Trevor Story, Noah Syndergaard, Chris Taylor, Justin Verlander, on this list, who might accept the qualifying offer? Eduardo Rodriguez, uh, Rossiel Iglesias. I think that's it. I think the rest of this list is going to go out there and test free agency. Now, in terms of you have to be a team to get that first round pick anymore, you have to receive revenue sharing, uh, and the player has to sign for more than $50 million. So it has to be a team traditionally that gets a, because if you get revenue sharing, you also get a competitive balance pick. 
So as long as one of these players signs for more than $50 million and the team did not pay into the luxury tax, uh, a lot of these picks are going to end up being second rounders. So I believe like, the Dodgers are well represented on this list with Seager and Taylor, uh, but their picks are automatically going to be fourth round picks because they paid into the luxury tax. Uh, I think they might be the only one. I think everyone else could get a second round pick. Now, who would be the teams that potentially could get a first round pick that could potentially push the Indians further down with their compensation pick? Uh, there are two, and that is the Reds and the Rockies. So Trevor Story, depending on his contract, uh, we're gonna. I'm assuming there is an out, outside chance that he may not. Because if he signs for less than $50 million, which he might, he the last two years of defensive data on him has been poor. Uh, the splits are not good for him. He is a player who might look to do like a one-year contract to try to uh, get his value back up. And if you're an Indians fan, you're rooting for Trevor Story to sign a cheaper contract. The other one is Nick Castellanos. I think he gets more than $50 million. So you probably have at least one pick, maybe two, pushing that comp selection down. Now, that comp selection of itself, I believe the ordering, I could be wrong, is based off of record from the year before. So looking at the Indians grouping, that means the Pirates, the Orioles, the Royals, the Diamondbacks, and the Rockies, and the Padres would all pick before the Indians. They only would pick uh, before the Cardinals in terms of order. So that's what, one, two, three, four, five, six teams plus the other comp. So right now, I, like I don't think teams lose first-round picks anymore I, I, unless they do something and really lo- go crazy with the luxury tax. So you're looking at, what, 30, 36 picks, the one prep pick. So the Indians probably are picking somewhere around 38. So 16th and 38th, because um, I believe the Astros get all their picks back next year as well. Uh, so yeah, I think around 16 and 38, possibly 39, depending on Trevor's story. They should still end up with two picks in the top 40. But it's interesting to look at and important to know for that reason. I want to thank you again for making Locked On Indians your first listen today and every day, free and available on all podcasting platforms and apps. Browns decimated the Bengals. Locked on Browns will be a fun one to listen to. The Cavs decimated the Knicks. So that would be another fun one to go check out over on the Locked On Network. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. You can see all of my hot takes as things happen. And we'll also post our Locked On Nows on there when the Indians do things that uh, are worthy of doing video for. Uh, I want to thank you for listening, rating, and reviewing. That always helps our little show to grow. And as we say now, go, go, Guardians, go.